Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn and Christopher Prunty. Joining us today is the magic engineer, C.R. Rowenson. Clark, so glad to have you back on again. And today we are finishing out Clark's prompt from the last episode, uh, which I have since called Fear the Light. Now, in the end of that last episode, uh, we had a twist, which was it is self-aware. The it, of course, being in quotations. And we now have to reconcile our Weird West walking sun twist. And remember that if you want us to build your world like we're doing now with Clark, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. And to find Clark, you can go to his website, crrowinson.com, or find him over on YouTube at The Magic Engineer. Now, Clark, now that we've gotten all the shilling out of the way, reconcile that twist, which was also your twist, actually. Yeah, it worked out kind of perfect. And this is great. So normally with this kind of stuff, I try and move past the first couple ideas that I have to get to some of the more non-obvious solutions. Mm -hmm. But then I thought about it more. And the more I thought about this, the more I loved it. I think the shadow is what's self-aware. You son of a bitch, Clark. <laughs> that is absolutely the way I was going to reconcile it as well. So, so here... Here's the I'm thing. glad that we're on the same page here, though. That's interesting. So, like, I was trying to think of different stuff, but then I remembered Rosewater that we read. Oh, yeah. The, the book club thing that we were doing on the Discord channel. And I immediately was like, the shadow is the Xenosphere. Oh, interesting. That's pretty cool. So okay. it's some kind of organism that mankind has actually been able to grow and develop that has spread into like this massive, almost invisible lattice that they then condense and consolidate and use to fuel their various technologies. Okay. I love that concept, obviously, because I came up with the same concept, but uh, we, we've got to, I, I would like to sit here and drill down into the tech and magic a little bit. And also I think that my, um, my reconciliation was a little bit different than yours. I had a little bit more negotiation with the capital S shadow going for it in, in, huh. in my idea anyway. So when, when it is self-aware, you're essentially forced to kind of bargain with the shadow in, in a way. That was my kind of vague concept anyway. What, what exactly did we discuss for those who are going to remember what exactly do we decide that the shadow is and then how is it separate from what's in the earth? Okay, so from from what I recall, shadow is the method or the fuel with which humanity has been able to cast magic slash use technology. And I think, and, and I, if I recall correctly, the shadow was actually something that had to do with the walking suns. Like you, oh, uh, we mine them to yes. get it out. I see. Okay, so that's what we've mined, and that's why we've kind of awakened what's down there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, and, we, and so we we're saying were, that that's become aware. Yeah. We knew they were kind of connected. Some of the thoughts I had is that maybe both of these creatures actually came from the same biome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. when we opened the underground cavities that unleash the walking suns, that's also where we found the shadow, which we were then able to grow and nurture. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then it becomes some kind of like a psychic fungus of some kind. Yeah. Then we also... I remember establishing too that um, the like the raw material is like the unhatched um, version of the creatures down there. Like the phosphorus creatures awaken at some point, and so it's yes. the unhatched mining of it. Okay, I think that we can probably reconcile that a little bit and have them kind of what Clark was saying: have them just be from the same biome, and the shadow itself is not necessarily like the young that is the walking sun, but perhaps maybe just like some kind of a fluvium or some kind of like a placenta sack of some kind. And that just Ooh. so happens to be like aware, like self-conscious and aware, you know, okay. or yeah, even two sense. creatures that had developed a more symbiotic relationship. Yes. And now that they're no longer in their contained environment, they're able to split their different ways. Correct. And also I need to make sure Clark that we don't just create 
the symbiotes from uh, Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. Because that I, I don't want a bunch of Venoms walking around the Wild West is what I'm trying to stay away from here. And that's part of why I stuck on the Rosewater kind of theme, where it's yeah. just this more large, broad, expansive consciousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we also don't want to detract from the actual monster, which are these right. invisible phosphorus creatures. So it's yes. like this this shadow does it have a I don't know that it has a manifestation or anything. It's just we're saying that the materials we're using are actually self-aware in some way. I think it manifests through people is what oh, we Oh, okay. Because it was radiation. Like, was that radiation? Through their technology or uh, through their use of magic. Yeah, I, I was arguing last episode that I want Shadow, capital S Shadow, to be more tech related so right. it's more of a a fuel or a power source for fantastical technology mm-hmm. than it would be like you know like a, a suit yeah. or even like a spell that you would cast otherwise and there are, a couple of, there are a couple of visuals that i had because i was listening back to the previous episode but my second uh thing i was going to jump to if it wasn't the shadow i was going to say that the light uh the actual light that causes the burnouts was self-aware mm-hmm. which we could still do that but um, thinking back, I think it was Chris had mentioned something about it being almost like long, wispy filaments, and I I dropped mm-hmm. a video for you guys, kind of like nanotubules that just kind of float and drift. So I was picturing stuff like they have rather than yes. having lanterns, they have shadow lanterns that when you lift the hood, just darkness comes boiling. Oh, out. that's cool. Yeah, they're like gouts of steam. Yeah. yeah, they're like gouts of like black steam. Actually, and that's which is how really people cool go around thing. in the daylight. Just like we use mm-hmm. lanterns at night, they use shadow lanterns during the day. Oh, I love and, that. And that's yeah. the kind of tech and stuff that they're trying to incorporate. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, that's visual. Real quick, Daniel, go watch that video because it's super cool. It's short and it's super cool. Oh, is this a carbon nanotube? Yeah. Oh, that is neat. Isn't that fucking cool? Wow. Yeah, that's totally, that's, I can totally imagine <laughs> that. I wonder too, if, you know, looking at this video, if there's many ways to use the shadow, the shadow force. So is it like, it could be like fuel, but it could probably also be like a carbon nanotube and that you can use it to reinforce things, which would be neat. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was thinking. Flexible. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could have it be a little bit of both or, yeah. a, you know, a little bit of everything all of the time. And know? that also explains some of oh, the dust God. bowl effects that you were talking about. Uh, yeah daniel because if this stuff is just being produced and harvested and produced and harvested just all of the toxic well and just all the remains you would Mm -hmm. just have so so much just leftover stuff that didn't fit into any of your magic items or whatnot and Mm. because of how it floats around it may only be like a hundred pounds but creates a giant dust storm a mile across that's why it's able to be a dust storm because it's super lightweight yeah could you imagine breathing that stuff in as well like how horrifying that would be coating the inside of your lungs like ugh. and we just made the whole gas masks aesthetic vital for this world yeah (laughs) But Absolutely. I think is what's what's important too is that we we keep the thematic connection to the enemy, which are those creatures, mm-hmm. and and so like it suggests things about them too. Like if if they're if they're like if they have like an iron core, you know, or some kind of uh, nano steel core, that means when you're fighting them, you know, not only are you dealing with whatever phosphorus flames they emit, but also when they're visible on that surface, but their core is probably hard to break because yeah. they're made mm-hmm. of nano steel. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think I had this concept of this magic is not so much to destroy so much as it is to capture or at least subdue. Yeah. So the best you can hope to do is to tie these things up with this kind of black filament type stuff or, or or at least corral or surround. Actually, now that I say this, I recognize that I am creating cowboys with shadow lassos. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm just, no, I'm just torn because I'm like, that's dumb and cool at the same time. So I don't know. Uh, Clark, what were you going to say? I mean, there's so many options because they can be just wards because it can be done in this like this cloud-like effect. They can use it to coat items. They can Mm. use it as to be woven into their clothing. So this could be just Mm. like a quintessential, okay, let's try that word again, quintessential part of how they operate and 
it's just a lot of how they keep themselves safe because even just like the shadow lanterns those don't do anything against the walking suns but they sure as hell let you know when a walking sun is close Mm. um but something that chris had mentioned in the previous episode that i realized we kind of glossed over and was dope as shit was the prism smiths yeah we did gloss over that i i i I would agree with that for sure so the prism smiths could be the ones that are necessary to create the weapons strong enough to actually cut into the core of the suns yeah and they use the shadow to like restrain protect themselves and get to where they can actually damage the core Mm -hmm. that's awesome Okay. Uh, that makes sense. And once it once once a fantasy's internal logic makes sense, I feel like you're somewhere. You know, in, I agree. In story graphic. Yeah. Mm. So so would you? Well, actually, that's not necessarily a faction. That's just how we reconcile the uh, the the killing of these things, the walking suns. Okay. Um, did anyone else have anything that like kind of is related to, or at least close to, the reconciliation for the twist? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, shoot your shot then. <laughs> I thought uh, everyone was going to go for either making the light self-aware or the shadow self-aware. And I wanted to have this omnipresent force of something in between. Uh, imagine if both are kind of siblings that are fighting each other. This is a force that wants them to come together and stop fighting and i wanted that to be like an over ending arc that you would see uh if there was a story going on over time of trying to blend the shadow and the light together not as enemies but as like one thing Mm. okay so we've got a little bit of well i mean that that's kind of what uh clark was suggesting with the whole biome thing in my mind the first D D thing that pops up is like aboliths and mind flayers you know hated enemies but also fairly closely related or i suppose mind flares in the gif but you know that that's kind of a weird anyway uh, i'm getting off topic but yeah uh wh- what did we what did we want to do with that concept and and what is the it that is self-aware in that case chris i i wanted it to be like a godlike figure something mm-hmm. that is above them and trying to push them together and forge where it's not like two enemies, but a third concept, something that is uh, shadow and light or twilight or something. Sure. So what is that thing exactly? Is it a, you said a godlike being, but how does it manifest on the, on the plane that we're talking about here? Because we have manifestations of the light with the walking suns. We have the manifestations of the dark or the shadow with the capital S shadow that we have here. So how does it manifest and how does it manipulate things on the material plane? I was seeing it as more metaphysical, something that doesn't take a physical form, but more of something that uh, pushes things towards ideas or thoughts. So uh, I, I have a thought on that, actually. A big part of Weird West. So Weird West, in my experience, toes the line between standard horror and Lovecraftian horror. And correct me if anybody else has a different experience. But with that, there's often a lot of something from the outside. And there's lots of various kinds of more frightening and ancient magics. So kind of what I'm thinking is if they had more traditional old style folk magic which predominantly dealt with healing protection and divination what if the entity is what is influencing those outcomes so people cast their rune stones or whatever they want to do and that entity is actually controlling the outcome of any divination attempts Mm. and it's using that to try and direct humanity and potentially these other entities in the direction at once. So in terms of mysticism, this is essentially like every old God that has ever existed. More or less. Yeah. I'd like to turn that on its head. Please do Um, Daniel. I I would like that feeling, especially if that's what the world thinks, like the people who are in the setting, right? 
but I wonder if there is a hidden truth because we're we're nearly we're not just dealing with weird, we're dealing with new weird, which tends to I think lean a little bit more to the science and a little bit more to um, issues dealing with individuals and individual humans. Um, so I wonder if there, there was some kind of ecological event that precipitated this. And part of it, as we established, is going into the mines and digging out stuff we weren't supposed to be digging out that created this dust bowl and the whole situation. So I wonder if at some point um, in that early process, you know, there were people who went down to the hatcheries to the core where those wherever these things existed and set up machinery to do this work. And that machinery has been long destroyed and abandoned, buried and some kind of psychic event happened that created a consciousness there based on those original people that went down there that is now permeating the shadow. So the intention behind this quote unquote elder God is really the people who first went down there who are now driving this in a way they don't understand or we don't understand. That way it subtracts out um, the old weirds way of solving the unknown by just casting it to cosmicism while keeping that mood. I like that idea a lot, Daniel, and I actually think I might have some kind of a um, a reasoning behind it. Uh, so if, you, if you'll recall in the last episode, we had the concept that these walking suns essentially drained or siphoned off a lot of the the um, the mental or, or emotions from a lot of oh, these yeah. attacked. And where does that energy go? Right. Oh, so maybe yeah. this consciousness, <laughs> the psychic event that you're talking about here is actually a collective unconsciousness of all of the mm-hmm. siphoned psychic energy from the people. So oh, man. it is in a sense like a hive mind, like a massive unknowable consciousness that we could probably perceive as some kind of a God mm-hmm. or some kind of a mystic being. But in reality, it is like thousands or hundreds, if not thousands of voices all crying out at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it explains too why the creatures seem like they cause this radioactive effect. The creatures themselves aren't doing it. It's the, it's the residue of the psychic event that we caused. Like the creatures aren't responsible. Mm. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what you can kind of do with that, with the whole bit of that being self-aware, is if I was running a game that centered around this, what I would find super awesome would be that it's not necessarily trying to manipulate people it's not trying to bring them together necessarily to generate harmony so much as it's trying to find a way to combine these two separate elements so it can manifest its own form yeah 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 i'm I'm, I'm far more down with that idea psychically it was created by both so now it's trying to create a physical form from both yeah because it like it's never known physical form as far as it knows, at least as this particular entity. So it's trying to find a suitable form that it can call like a physical body, you know, and that's where like the mixing of the shadow and the light kind of come together. And imagine all of the of... mistakes along the way, the weird creatures, oh, the yeah, weird of course. constructs that it tries to make that just don't work and are now just wandering the West. Yeah, this this idea of like a failed avatar or like a failed kind of like <laughs> like or or like they're essentially like god pupa, right? But they're all like, oh, this is imperfect, so therefore it can't be correct. But it's still out there and it still stalks the wastes, you know. And I also like the concept of since it is kind of pushing things in certain ways. That gives the nice Lovecraftian feel of like a voice in the head or cults trying to do certain things. And it could be a cults who either worship too strongly the shadow or who worship the uh, the walking sons in some sort of extreme case. Or even oh, of cults course. of burnouts. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, there, there's a number of ideas there. And the idea that you can essentially summon these monsters as imperfect vessels for this god being this godhead like that's a really cool way to create weird fucked up monsters pretty much wherever you go i just i like how we started with chris's idea we could then then we added a piece to that and then we added a piece of that and that's where we got like i feel like that's an example of how world building can work right there Right. I I think that one of the major principles with world building is to like properly incorporate everything and like no matter how weird or how off you think it might be at the beginning, like it's your job as world builders to find a way 
for that to fit into your world that yes. everyone's happy with, you know? Exactly. It's a challenge. It's like, okay, I don't really get how this is going to work, but we're going to make it work. <laughs> yep. Right. And then oftentimes what ends up happening is the result that you come up with is way more cool yes. and interesting as yes. a result of trying to like jam these two disparate ideas together. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and I think what was at the core of it too, is we had to think about what is it, for example, with Chris, like, what was he interested in? And it seemed like part of that is he wanted a third force, a third weird thing, right? Acting in, in play. And so that's what we kind of extracted from it to get to this point. Yeah. And Chris, are you happy with that? Great. Yeah. All right. Oh. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm just being a dick. Go ahead. I was going to say, yes, I wanted a third force, something to uh, be in between. And this sounds like no one would be happy with interacting with it. So in a way, yes, it is in between. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I think that we've very well and thoroughly reconciled our twist from the last episode. So I think, uh, Clark, as our guest, you get to introduce your next faction and or uh, conflict, whichever you'd prefer. Okay, I'm actually, oh boy, so I had a couple cool ones. I'm going to start with, it. it's a bit of both. So I have just been thinking of them as the mind cutters, because mm -hmm. I was re-listening to that really terrible, super grim dark story you guys did with all the pain robots. Uh, oh God, yeah, that one's dark. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I thought of Courtney's little weird psychiatrist, and my brain kind of spun off on that. So I was thinking there are people that are trying to you to harness, collect, and use bits of the light in order to shape people's thoughts and minds. So like a controlled burnout of some kind. Yeah, yeah. And gotcha. The negative name that people have labeled them with is the mind cutters mm. and that would kind of tie into a conflict where everybody everywhere is sort of arguing and trying to come up with a consensus on what should be done with the burnouts because some people are going to be like they're unstable they're unsafe we should probably just either send them away or get rid of them and then anybody who knows them it's like no that's my family that's my friend it really terrible heartbreaking issue mixed in with these mm -hmm. messed up psychiatrists oh absolutely I, I i'm getting like hugo strange vibes uh you know the the batman villain hugo strange yeah yeah that's, so that's the, a really cool concept how do they fit are they like a network of people or is it just like a bunch of random one-shot weirdos that are just happen to be mind cutters you know I was thinking it could go either way. I wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on that because a mm. network would be interesting. It could also be where this is just a sort of taboo art, uh, you know, where mm. kind of the Mary Shelley age reanimation of dead tissue is something all of the mad scientists were doing and nobody liked it. So mind cutting could just be an area that is taboo or they could be a network. I'm down with either. I wanted to open uh that up to you guys actually. I think a faction would naturally form of just like-minded people who were doing it, who are like reaching into this esoteric kind of stuff. And then they're like, oh, so yeah, uh, hypothetically, I would do this. It's like, oh, hypothetically, I would do that too. Wink. Hypothetically, and this might be what happened from an experiment like that. <laughs> yeah. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, this is the research that I have on my experiments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mind, so I, I do want to make a suggestion because one of my favorite uh, terms for old school psychiatrists or psychologists are alienists. Yeah. And I feel really? like, yes, yeah, I love that term. That's a great I, term. I agree. It's like the coolest thing that we should really bring back, I think. Mm -hmm. But alienist used to describe this. And I, I think that like you could probably bring an association of alienists who are also mind cutters, you know, like it's maybe it's uh, a, a sub faction within a larger association that is like very much down for this type of thing. You know, I mean, it's probably a sub faction of the prism smiths because the prism smiths cut light. It sounds like these people cut minds. Yeah. I think we should probably force that in there as well. I think that makes a lot of yeah. sense. 
and <laughs> I was especially because gem cutting, yeah. mind cutting, like come on, you know, it's right there. Yeah, well, at, at the very least, they would be connected. I I also kind of like the idea where this is a practice that, on the surface, the organization of alienists, they're like, yeah, it's it's questionable, but it's okay, and we see the scientific value. But your common folk are not going to be for it at all. And there's definitely mm. going to be people who take it in terrible, immoral directions for the sake of understanding or for the sake of whatever the hell they want. Like Phil. Hey, Phil. How you doing over there with your with your uh, mind slaves over there, you know? So yeah, they're capturing members of society now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually... If we if we wanted to go super dark and also kind of historically accurate with it, you could essentially uh, replace mind cutting with lobotomies, uh, or, or rather switch that. So this oh, is yeah. essentially just an early version of lobotomies, which were more popularized a little bit later in an American timeline, anyway. Yeah. So this could be seen. I mean, especially in the Wild West, why can't this be seen as like this is the way that we're going to treat these problems you know like these mental issues that these people are having guess what we burn them out a little bit and the mind cutters are actually instead of making them just kind of sinister we can make them be like oh no this person knows what they're doing this is a doctor you know like have them be i think it's more interesting that they're a uh, a respected member of society as opposed to someone more nefarious even if they make you uncomfortable oh absolutely yeah yeah i agree because also, to, to those families who are in need, you know, like, oh, my daughter keeps having fits or my son has behavioral behavioral issues that are, you know, like self-harming. Well, guess what? Those doctors aren't evil at all and they're not going to make him uncomfortable. They're going to make their, you know, family. OK, so maybe he only can feel one emotion, but at least that emotion is is happiness. You know, like they're taking out all of that from them. And the idea that it's deliberate is, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I get excited and horrified at the same time. I also like that it could bring about the term saying in a good way, they're a little bit rough around the edges because they haven't been cut yet. Sure. You're a diamond in the rough. Or or if I really wanted to be punny, a mindmind in the rough, which is, <laughs> yeah, no, you should feel bad about that. Cause I certainly do. So that just, oh, that uh, your statement, Chris just gave me shivers. Cause it made me think of that surgeon from Bioshock who is oh, just yeah. like, Oh, her nose could use a little work. And like, she's not scheduled for a facelift. Stop cutting yeah, doctor. Yeah. Where you have a guy who's yeah. like, well, like, let me just smooth out these rough edges. And people are like, what are you doing? Wait, like, stop. <laughs> yeah. He was rude to me in the office. Let me take care of that with a little bit of mind cutting. Oh God. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's great. Clark. That's a really great idea for sure. All right. I I feel like we we're, we're chewing up a lot of time here. I mean, which is good, I think, but also we should move on to the next faction. So who wants to go up with their next faction? I wanted, it feels a bit derivative now uh, because mine was going to be the prism Smiths who by breaking the light into prisms can then kind of control them like elemental summons uh, where like uh, the red light spectrum would be some sort of like aggressive Pokemon kind of thing. So you just went in an entirely different genre than what we've been fucking around. I, I wanted a summoner class for the setting and damn it. I wanted the prism Smiths back in the limelight. I, I I feel you, Chris. I appreciate you. That's fine. Um, I think Clark kind of outshone you a little bit there, but that's okay. I think that's so. So tell me what the other what the other colors are. Is is green still willpower and is yellow still fear? So please uh, tell me all about. Well, it. I mean, yellow should be fear, just because calling someone yellow bellied, you you got to get that in there. Yeah. What's uh, indigo though? Empathy? No, that that is just. <laughs> fucking for for those of you not in the know we're riffing on jeff john's <laughs> run of the green lantern which is actually fantastic and uh which is why i'm making fun of chris being derivative about it but that's fine anyhow yes so, please go on does do you really want the color to 
indicate the personality and capabilities of the creature or or could it be the color sort of indicates some of the magical effects that they have the color could just indicate the strength of the creature which i think this is super cool because the the other conflict i had was just that somehow the prism smiths were weaponizing light and people had mm. problems with mm. that mm. And this is kind well, of perfect. We people could see these as other versions of the walking suns and be really not okay with it. Yeah. I mean, it seems to work out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, besides just using it as some sort of summons, you could also look at it as what happens when you catch a light in a bottle of a certain spectrum and then kind of cast it out. Uh, this kind of goes to the opposite of how the shadow is more technological based, whereas this seems more like magic. Right. And so do these forms, do they evolve or perhaps digivolve in some way? Uh, well, only if you use a thunderstone. Right, right. And of course, uh, these are all prism smiths. So you're capturing these creatures, these light creatures, is it like a spherical kind of like prism? Um, and are there no? It's a triangle. Types? Oh come oh. on, guys! <laughs> <laughs> but you did just spark something. So I know somebody else here has read Garthnix, right? Why does that name sound familiar? The Sabriel series, Abhorson. Yeah, I, have. I think we both have. Yeah. So uh, well, I, to be fair, I only read Sabriel. I never read any of the follow-ups, but still. Ooh, I like think... cracking open a, a prism releases that one. He did. He did another series called the Seventh Tower, where people would travel into a parallel world and bind monsters to their shadows. So then they would come back, and their shadow would have the form of their creature and would work as a little summon. I'm wondering if we could do something like that, where the prism oh, dope are as hell. using the light to transform and capture stuff from the wilds and that's how they get their summons yeah i'm okay that's that sounds way cooler yeah you're you're essentially playing puppet mat or like shadow puppet master but it sounds way more interesting i think you good with that chris yeah i'm, I'm more than good with that <laughs> all right uh I, i'm i'm gonna go next with my faction because it's just very simple and I'm leaning, you'll notice this week, I'm leaning heavily onto my Wild West genre, or my Weird West genre. I'm just doing the Pinkertons because the Pinkertons nice. as an entity should exist in every Wild West thing ever. And the great thing about the Pinkertons is that they can be as good or as evil as you really want them to be because they were an, a complicated organization. Let's put it that way. Uh, they were actually some of the first folks to hire uh, people of color and women at a time when that was very uncommon. And they also got embroiled on the wrong side of history when it came to uh, union, dis union disputes and stuff like that. So real quick, real easy. Uh, yeah. So it's, I got the Pinkerton agency, they're mercenaries and they're detectives and they all, they all do sorts of cool stuff. So that's it. And they hate unions. Uh, that doesn't come until later, but yeah, mostly they really hate unions later on. What's the fancy spin on the Pinkertons? There is none. That is my spin, Daniel. They, See, this is, they, this is the discussion exist. we had before. We had the same discussion before they get a sci-fi. Um, and I think it was about some other labor union. Uh, no, well, yeah, but that was, that was a little bit different. See, sometimes you just need a mundane element of, of faction. And the thing is like, Hey, these are just the Pinkertons. Unless you guys want to add in something else, I'm cool with that too. But yeah, I'm trying to understand what are they trying to accomplish like in this setting? They're they're mercenaries. They're a business that is about uh providing security. In in the West, what they would actually do is they would provide security for stagecoaches so they wouldn't get robbed. Uh okay. or later on, they were actually like uh, leg breakers for um, like steel bosses and, and railroad bosses and stuff like that to make sure that, um, you know, like people wouldn't strike or there would not be labor unions and stuff like that. So in this setting, are they, for example, um, sourcing equipment to travel across the Dust Bowl landscape? 
that I see the way that I kind of approached it is they could be a great agency with which you could basically get adventures from, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they're, they're a network within this yeah. weird West setting that, you know what, if you need a quest giver, bam, you've got it. If you need some opposition that is not inherently monstrous, you could toss them in as well because they can be on conflicting sides one way or the other, depending on who's paying them. So really it's just an easy way to like toss in bounty hunters as well as a structure of an organization in there. Could they have been somewhat connected to the original gold rush um, to get materials out of the earth? I mean, they are. They provide security so they're not robbed. Yeah, they would guard stagecoaches. There were places where they were hired as um, as kidnappers, honestly. Because yeah. somebody rich would be like, I want you to go get my son back. Yes. Um, you know, they would be hired as detectives. Um, like, literally anything. It's like, if you want something, yeah. They will do it. Are they centrally managed or are they like individual kind of freelancers? They Their main office is based out of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, which uh, means I think they're miniature contracts for each one. So there might be a group yeah. of like 10 or 20 of them that work together, but they pick up a contract from their central body. Yeah, it's like a franchise. Okay, so they're like proto corporations, basically. Uh, well, at this I point, have, corporations yeah. already existed. So they're they're well, actually, no. I suppose so. Yeah, we could. We'll, we'll stick with that nomenclature, Daniel. That's fine. Okay. I'm just trying to f- find ways to tie um, the the mood that this kind of structure to the moods and themes we created. Mm. Um, I mean, I could also see them involved in uh, keeping secret how all of this started, because we mm. said that uh, someone dug into the earth rather than have someone take blame and all of the fingers be pointed at them or have them. Uh, assault the area of where it all started, you could have it be that they were charged with keeping it secret and making it that those things couldn't go back into the ground. Mm -hmm. So maybe like there's a core group that's older than the other kind of splendors of mercenaries that know about this. They even could have just been a group that took an unsanctioned job, honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Hmm. All right, uh, Daniel, speaking of your contrary nonsense, what is your faction? <laughs> <laughs> so I, the faction I had, um, I don't think it's necessarily based on anything particular, but it's got little bits from everything we've come up with. But I was thinking of a sort of Batman slash uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer character, because I think that's fun to have in the Wild West. And these are sort of like shadow rangers who are obsessed with hunting down the Sunwalkers. So... They, you know, they're hunting in the daylight, which means they probably are suited in gas masks and hazmat suits. Um, they've got equipment they've gotten from the prison smiths. Um, and they're trying to collect the the iron cores of the Sunwalkers, um, which now we've established have a lot of value, whether that's mm. for those mine cutters or it's, you know, to do research or maybe the mercenary, Pinkerton mercenaries need them. Um, or maybe these particular characters have a personal vendetta and they're just trying to destroy the Sunwalkers. But in any event, each of them um, might be very irradiated because of their constant contact with them. Mm-hmm. And they're probably burnt out individually. Um, and there's some ver- variety in their purposes. Like they might have been hired or some of them might, um, you know, be out on their own. But they're like dangerous in and of themselves, but also very useful to have in your group. Absolutely. It's like a new gold rush almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask the same question I asked of Clark. Is this a group or is it a, a, a loose collection of individuals? I don't see them as a group or any way of centrally organized because they have individual motivations. It's kind of like you're, I imagine the scene like, okay, you're in a bar and the Sunwalkers are destroying this bar and you, you don't know a way to get out. You've run out of ammunition or whatever. You're going to die. And then this guy, the one of them shows up and you're like, oh, fuck, we might be saved. But also at the same time, we don't know if this guy's crazy. We don't yeah. know what he wants. We just know he wants to kill the Sunwalkers. Do we have a name for these guys yet? I don't know. Can I suggest Core Hunter? Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I also like, like Shadow Rangers. Shadow Rangers mm. is also pretty good too, yeah. <laughs> Shadow Slayers if you wanted to stick with Buffy. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, oh, boo. Any of those I'm, I'm all for. <laughs> I have a weird thing with Buffy. I was always a bigger fan of Angel than I was Buffy for some really? reason. Really? That's, yeah. that's interesting. I like it. I know. 
it's, they it's, could have it's multiple strange. names. It's just what mm-hmm. different people call them. Ooh, they could have oh, shadow true. lassos too. They probably have shadow lassos. Oh man, yeah. It, it maybe there's different sub factions of these things, and depending yeah. on uh, it's it's there's like the generic term, and then there's like the I ain't one of them. I'm a shadow <laughs> ranger. You know, like one of the <laughs> yeah. one of those things. You know. <laughs> Can you do the rest of the episode in that voice? Absolutely not. It would shadow destroy my <laughs> my vocal cords. <laughs> I could also see them having weapons forged from the cores. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then, and then the bet. It's so now we're getting into the monster hunter loop where you kill one walking sun, you craft it, and then you be, go on to fight bigger and badder walking suns. No problem. And not just that, they're also going to be people that you send after, I guess, just the god pupa or the the remnants oh, for sure. the discarded. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and now we're getting into like crazy stuff from that. I, yeah, I feel like we're getting into like men in black slash secret society of like we got to keep their monster hunters, basically, you know? Yeah, I'm more just thinking the monster hunter world type people. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was also thinking like you could probably merge in some way like the Pinkertons with this type of agency that Daniel's describing where it's like you have a subsection of the Pinkertons who are basically just like, Hey, look, we've got this core of individuals. They are monster hunters. They're core hunters. They're shadow rangers, whatever you want to call them. You hire them for this purpose, but man, are they expensive? So you better fucking shell that money out because it's, you yeah. know, you know, you're, I, you're commodifying safety at that point. I like them being separate, but I do like the idea of if they're kind of licenses slash certifications, you could have somebody who's like, no, I'm certified by the Pinkertons. Yeah. And, uh, and the core hunters. Like I have backing from both, which means I can go and do what anybody in either of those groups can do. I cost three times as much, but that's why. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You can have like specialists and then you you get reputation. Yeah, of course. Or a rogue Pinkerton who became one of these. True. Uh, That's there, the look, there's I all sorts play. of interesting stuff that you could do, of course. Yeah. All right. I feel like we've introduced our factions pretty well. We've reconciled the twist and we've come up with a, just an absolute ton of conflict along the way. I feel like it's time that we find some hooks to figure out. And, and this is good. This is going to be a good one, uh, I, I feel, because it's going to be ridiculous. But let's get it going. The first genre of hook that we're going to be doing is going to be science fiction. We're kind of already there, so that works for me. The subject is going to be an historical figure. And (laughs) uh, the theme that we're going to be dealing with is going to be pride and honor. So we've got an historical figure with the uh, genre of science fiction and pride and honor. What are we thinking for a plot hook for this setting, gentlemen? Abraham Lincoln, core hunter. <laughs> so I was, I was going to say Teddy Roosevelt, but like that's where my brain went immediately. But that's just from... We did Teddy already, didn't we? <laughs> We, yeah, Multiple we've done times. Teddy already. Every president <laughs> is actually just a core hunter. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. I like the president in some way. I like. Okay, that. so let's make let's make it a president. That's fine. Yes. Let's see, U.S. president. Let's yeah, who's Google our president it. at the time? Van Buren. <laughs> no, I feel like it's gonna be like Taft or some dumb bullshit like. Can that. he be partially a robot? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's science fiction. And. Can okay, be part hold on. steam hold machine. On. Yeah, part steam. All right, I, I think I have it, you guys. I think Grant? I have it. James A. Garfield. Hear me out. <laughs> oh my god. He's the I'm pretty sure is is he the one who died like super early into his um presidency? Guess what? That was all a smoke screen. Yes, I love Literally. That. And so, so he was, let me, let me do double check my research. I'm pretty sure he's the one who gets like assassinated like within nine months of his. I thought he was the one who died of the flu. That might be another one. People die in weird ways. Uh, Let's see. Hold on. It's a different time. It really was. Assassination. Okay. Okay. So James A. Garfield was shot. Okay. This, this makes things easier. Okay. 
So James A. Garfield is the is the president, and he is shot. All right, and the theme being pride and honor. Guess what, boys? He's brought back with Prism Smith and Shadow Technology. Hell yes. Yes. All right. That's that's just what's going down. He can't go back out into the public again because it's completely changed who he is. But as a result, man, he's he's. The James A. Garfield, the guy who's barely known for anything. Guess what? He's a super badass in our Weird West setting. There we go. I love that so much. I'm just picturing him because I know what he looks like. (laughs) He wasn't known for anything because that's how he wanted it because he just disappeared into the West. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Okay, okay. Maybe it wasn't actually an assassination attempt. And maybe the story, the hook that we're trying to tell here is um, like you're all there to watch James A. Garfield get off the train. All of the characters within this hook all watch as James A. Garfield gets off the train and then the entire town is attacked by walking sons. His codename is Abrams. Abrams? Like J.J. Abrams? Abrams. Sure. Because his middle name is Abram. Okay. I'm, oh, I'm not you're comparing him to a tank. <laughs> I also thought you were going tank direction. So <laughs> but it <fine>. could work. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I mean, at that point, the hook that I'm thinking is uh, James A. Garfield is Shadow Man, and, he, and the, the train gets attacked by walking sons, and he goes down. And obviously, can't have that in the newspapers. So he goes down a hero fighting off the walking sons, and then he's brought back using Shadow Tech. There we go. Oh, my God. What if he's the abandoned? Oh, come the fuck on, Clark. You're going to wrap that shit up fast. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's amazing. That's actually, that's actually a really good idea. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going we're gonna to move on to the next plot hook because why not? Uh, let's see. First up, we've got the genre. All right. Clark, this is in your wheelhouse. We've got the horror genre. And I normally re-roll, but we've got another historical figure. And the theme this time is tragedy. So let's, let's try and stay away from presidents. We've got tragedy and an historical figure what do we want to do? Um, I've got the, the tragedy, but not the historical figure. I'm thinking like some, for some reason, some, some child or young innocent person was taken by a sunwalker into the, into the um, dig and they have to assemble a crew to get it. But I don't know what the historical aspect of that is. Okay. Has anyone here seen the movie Bone Tomahawk? No, no. I've seen plenty of stills from it though. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's really horrifying. If you're into uh, the Wild West or the Western genre, as well as horror movies, I don't recommend Bone Tomahawk because that has scenes that I still think about and haunt me to this day. As a seasoned horror veteran, that is one of the most horrifying movies that you could really watch. Uh, It's great. I don't recommend it. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking here, actually, Daniel, with that, when you mentioned that premise is that this child, for whatever reason, has been taken by the walking sons yeah, and it is now your job to go in and get them. How, now, how do we add in historical figures? Is the child historically important? Or maybe a, a famous, a famous sheriff or lawman could be really fun here. Ooh, Could have yeah. been the first slayer or first uh, core hunter. It's probably a core hunter because they're like obsessed with getting them back. So they are part of, they assemble the team. Yeah. There we go. All right. We've yeah. made it. This Maybe is the first sheriff. hunt. Yeah. This is the first hunt. Yeah. We core got hunt, it. Core oh shit. Sheriff. And that kid could end up being like the leader of the core hunters for a long time. Ooh. Yeah. Because then, because it's horror themed, you can watch as like this group of, of uh, bounty hunters who are like super badasses eventually get picked off one by one mm-hmm. and then they get him out, but they don't survive. You yeah. Know, that so he survives and he watches his, his sheriff father being torn apart as he barely survives. 
you or could even like sk- just gets dragged back down into the yeah. way. Yeah, you could exactly. skip ahead a little bit and have it be that he was this hunter that did all these badass things, and then one day something kills him. No one really knows what, and it's just the weird power vacuum and the Slayer community kind of uh, shook from the like one of the best of us has died and we don't know what killed him. That's those are both excellent ideas. Yeah. And there's also so much room for some of his rescuers, or I should say their rescuers to show up later as a burnout. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, I mean, there's always something fun about like messing around with hopeless situations, you know? All right. So, uh, I think that with uh, those two things, we're we're good to go. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up for uh, this week's episode in this series. In fact, Clark, another big thank you for coming on and talking about this premise with us. Uh, it's been a blast for sure. Uh, do you want to tell people again where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. This really has been a ton of fun. The best place to find me is my website, crrowinson.com. You can contact me through there. I love meeting new people. I love talking about magic, if you hadn't figured that out. Uh, YouTube channel is The Magic Engineer, also The Magic Engineer on Pinterest. You can find my workbook that I wrote for building limitations for your magic system on Amazon. It's called Restrictions May Apply. You do have to search that name and my author name because otherwise you're going to get a bunch of like vitamins and stuff that all have restrictions may apply in the label didn't think that part through <laughs> but <laughs> that's this where is you why can branding find. is so important i'm telling you <laughs> it seemed like such a it i still think it's a really awesome title but i didn't think of that <laughs> see if you were to do it again the obvious thing to do is just say magic restrictions may apply so that way you get past all the the pill jargon and stuff like that Yep. Yep. Lessons learned, but yeah, exactly. Those are the places you can also actually find me on the world build with us discord server. Cause Absolutely. I'm there a lot. And that is a great transition to talk about us, Clark, uh, because if you want to submit a prompt and have us build your world, much like we did here with Clark today, you can always email us over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at let's world build. You can come join the discard and chat with Clark in real life, well, as real as the digital space can get anyway, uh, with the link for that in the description. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. Link for that also in the description. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And before I get into my whole spiel, let me tell you, I'm very excited because next week marks our 100th world build with us episode. We are not going to be doing anything particularly crazy. It's just going to be a nice chill Q and a session. So if you want to drop any questions, by all means, go right ahead. And I'm just looking forward that we've been around for a hundred weeks or hundred. Well, yeah, technically a hundred weeks, a little bit more, but remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together until next week. Bye.